The Secrets of Technology is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Technology. I'm Dom Bethanelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. And joining me today on the panel are Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going, Dom? Wonderful. And Joanne Mercier. Hi, Joanne. Hello, everyone. Uh, and happy spring is what I want to say, even though this is a podcast you might be no. listening to this whenever, but... Um, it, it sure feels like it here, finally. It's 52 degrees outside, and I'm happy. So. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're, still we're, snow outside my window, so no, not yet. We're only 40. <laughs> only. After only. as cold as it's been, it feels really good outside. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, uh, we're, we're not here to talk about weather. We're here to talk about the tech news. But one of the things that, um, that makes me think of spring is the Apple spring event, and uh, which a little bit of news. It's not really our main topic today, but... I just want to throw out there that Apple has announced its March 25th uh, Showtime event. So uh, we talked about that recently, about uh, Apple's upcoming services in news and in streaming uh, media and that sort of stuff. And we can expect to see lots of announcements concerning that. So obviously, we'll talk about that once they make those announcements. So March 25th on a Monday, which is unusual for Apple, uh, speculation is that um, Oprah Winfrey's day off from her show is on Mondays. So, she, and she Jeez. was one of the uh, one of the few uh, stars that Apple has mentioned in connection with their uh, streaming services. So it's expected that she'll be present at the event. So that take that for what it will. Uh, so uh, let's move on to our our main topic today, though, which is we wanted to talk about this idea of making technology accessible for for lots of people, um, mm-hmm. and accessibility often gets gets pigeonholed into people who have certain kinds of disabilities, which is important. We have to make make sure that technology is accessible for folks who have like uh, vision issues or uh, hand-eye coordination issues or stuff like that. But I think we wanted to talk about a a little broader of an issue of accessible for people outside the usual (laughs) tech-obsessed Uh, demographic. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and so I want to start sort of at the, the 50,000 foot level, and then we'll get down to some practical suggestions uh, in the second part of the show. But to start with, I wanted to, you know, kind of talk about, you know, where do we stand with making technology accessible to everyone in, in let's just say in our country, uh, I, I can't really speak to Europe or other countries, but say even our country, um, there are some issues that that arise. So, for one thing, a lot of this stuff is expensive. Um, you know, every year the new phones are more and more expensive. The tablets, the computers, um, and then all these services, and then watches and other gadgets. Uh, and and I think a lot of people are wondering: is you know, can we afford it? So, what do you think is uh, is consumer tech getting too expensive, or is there Something for everyone throughout the the price range. What do you think? Uh, who wants to go first? I didn't check with you guys first. Um, Joanne? Well, Joanne, why don't you, why don't you yeah. go first since you kind of brought up the this as a topic? 
<laughs> yeah, that's because of my rant a couple of weeks ago about the phones getting too expensive. Yeah. Um, I I think it depends on what you're looking for and then the quality of it. So I did a little bit of research this week on senior, especially senior friendly technology. And I can see that they have some things that are relatively expensive or with payment plans for those who are mm -hmm. older. But they, to me, the technophile, they don't always do the job. And then you have Apple which I think, it, you know, I'm probably stating the obvious here, but Apple has done a lot of good things with accessibility with their products. And, but they're awfully expensive, except for the iPad nothing that's, right. you know, 329 and that's pretty, you know, they, they tout it as an educational model, but I think seniors fall into that category mm -hmm. too as being able to, you know, be able to afford something like that. So I think there has to be a fine line walked with these companies. Yes, they need to make money. I get that. But I think they also need to have a little bit more of an awareness, but I think Apple already does, that there are other people out there who could really benefit from this and can make their lives a lot easier with the products. And I think that will still bring other people who don't have that issue to them, you know, as, as customers. Uh, Father Corey, did you have anything you wanted to add or, or say on that? Well, and I, I think the... The thing we need to be careful as technophiles is those of us who we enjoy the technology, we want to use the technology, we want the latest and greatest, the bleeding edge, et cetera, et cetera. We need to be careful that we don't assume that everybody wants slash needs the bleeding edge, you know, right. um, uh -huh. because there are phones, there are devices that are what we would consider low cost, you know, let's say less than $300, you know, um, that we would all, all the three of us would look at and go, this is insufficient. And yet I look at my parents and I gave them the first gen iPad, which came out 10 years ago. They're still using it. It still works for them. It still does yep. what they need as far as a tablet is concerned. Now they've also moved on. I think my folks also both have like iPhone 8s that they bought a year or so ago. Mm -hmm. You know, so it wasn't the top of the line, but it was close. And that also works for them as well. I have something similar. My kids, we have, I have five kids and we have like four or five iPads of various vintages. I don't think any ones, but we have like a couple of iPad 2s and a couple throughout you know, fr from overtime that are hand-me-downs. Some have cracked mm -hmm. screens and whatever, and they're fine for the kids. They, the, the things they do on them, they're fine. Uh, one of the things I want to is kind of talk about is the flip side of that argument where like where you say, you know, most people don't need the bleeding edge is there's, there's another half. I mean, you're right. I, I agree with that. Most people don't need a $1,200 smartphone, uh, whether they think they need it or not. They don't. Uh, <laughs> most people don't. Heck, even I barely, quote unquote, need it. Uh, you know what yeah. I mean? But there, there's a, the other end of the spectrum, which is um, w there's a danger of relegating old tech or hard to use tech, which is cheap to people. So there are a lot of like Amazon Fire tablets out there, which are like they come like a six pack for 50 bucks. Plus, you get a, you know, a bottle of shampoo with it. You know, I mean, they're <laughs> really cheap, but they yeah. don't they don't work very well or very cheap Windows laptops, which are really oh, yes. cheap but are hard to maintain are full of shovelware and all the, all that stuff that they load on them. Uh, and, and so 
people get this stuff and then they they try to use it and they think I don't understand tech, I don't like tech, it doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. And there's sort of this digital divide so that people, you know, either they they're trying to spend more than they got in order to get you know the best or they're trying to save some money and they get something that doesn't work for them. And and I think both of those are are a part of the uh, you know the issue we have to be careful of. Well, I think right now the digital divide is probably huge, like the Grand Canyon. But I think it's going to start getting smaller and smaller as we get older and kind mm-hmm. of know what we're looking for for elder, you right. know, elder technology. And I think there are some people. I don't want to go ahead and tell you my pick of the week already because it's the perfect thing yep. that I think is mm-hmm. going to sort of bridge the gap. But um, I think people are starting to come to that awareness, not just for the elderly, but for those with other physical handicaps or, you know, mental abilities that need something not like an iPad that does everything or as throwaway as a fire tablet. Well, and it's it, you know, I was just thinking like you're mentioning like low, low cost Windows laptop. That's what I've got sitting here. This is an HP that was like a two hundred dollar Walmart special. And that was even on clearance, two hundred dollars. Yeah. And. As a Windows laptop, it was awful, unusable, right. you know, to the point of just painful, you know, forget trying to play games, you know, that that's not going to happen. I, even just using like publisher on it was almost impossible. Well, now it's a Chromebook and it's perfect. It is exactly, you know, right. and that's the kind of technology that a lot of, I think a lot of people maybe were, were talking about. They don't need a smartphone. They don't need a tablet, just a laptop like a Chromebook that can sit there. And I know Dom, you, you, you're, you've got a, one of your children have has a Chromebook. Yeah. It can check email. It can do web stuff. It can do everything they need and they're cheap and they're good quality. Yeah. Usually. It, it, I was surprised at how much I liked the, it's an Asus uh, Chromebook mm-hmm. that I got for my daughter. Uh, she's 12. She turns 13 in a few months. Um, and for Google, if they're under 13, there are special restrictions, which are, like hand handcuffs that uh, makes it so hard to to do things once she turns 13 I, I i'm pretty sure that's going to open up and i my pick of the week a few a few uh, weeks ago was uh, google's family link which is a, a a parental control software for their their products uh and so that helps a bit but you're right i mean a, a google chromebook is a is a good laptop for a lot of people um and it's you know it's got because it's got a keyboard so it's not a tablet and, yeah. and for people who aren't used to typing on screen my kids when they see a keyboard, they don't they 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 actually have to stop and think about it because they Ew. only ever type on screen. <laughs> so it's it's so. But for people who need a, a a keyboard, still, you know, it's got that, and it's got the the full suite of Google stuff and the web and all that sort of stuff. So I agree. You know, I I want to kind of shift it to a, another question, which uh, you you brought up, Father Corey, uh, because mm-hmm. of your situation. So you live out in Montana, uh, somewhat yep. remotely, and and a lot of times the tech press kind of concentrates on all the big cities on the periphery and the sort of tech they get access to. But, you know, you have a special uh, uh, um, understanding of the difficulty of getting access to the Internet and streaming services where it's where it's kind of remote, where it's hard to get, uh, you know, where yeah, the, it, the vast open spaces of the middle of America. You know, and it's 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 one thing uh, that's improved dramatically, even just in the eight years I've been here in Malta and, and in the 10 years I've been a priest. Yeah, you, you get into the, the bigger, even the bigger cities within Montana, Great Falls, Billings and so on. 
there are options. You know, you've got cable, you've got, you know, the, the standard copper DSL, you've got fiber, you've got all these different options. But a lot of these small towns, and especially for like our farmers and ranchers who are out in the boonies, it's even harder. Now, as I said, it's improved here in Malta and in many other uh, communities in our little co-op, our little phone co-op. We have fiber. I have fiber right to my house. Mm. You know, now we don't have Google fiber. We don't have one gigabit to the house. Like I think I'm at 25 megabit is what my my download speed is, which is still for most uses pretty sufficient. I could be sitting watching Hulu on one screen and, uh, you know, something else, YouTube on another screen. And it streams just fine, high definition, you know, for what I need, it's fine. But, you know, if you're talking about, you know, the people that have 100 megabit, if not gigabit, we're not there yet. Now, the people who are out who are out in the way boonies, you know, way out in the middle of, you know, go to the middle of nowhere and keep driving. Um, you know, they might have the satellite options, you know, which are they work, but they're not good. They're oh, they're slow. They're laggy. They're by ne- you know by necessity they 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 it you've got that travel time between the satellite and the dish and back and forth and things things like that. So many of the really remote areas, there isn't really good internet access still to this day. You know, even in Massachusetts, which is you know it's we're still fairly you know densely populated here, but in central Massachusetts, you ha- we have a lot of hills, the Berkshires. And a lot of the small towns, most of the population is concentrated near near the Boston. So most of the state is is fairly empty. And you have these towns in the hills that they're they're struggling a bit because they want to attract people to live there. But they they were sort of are looking at small tech companies, small people who uh, uh, companies that can work via the internet, and so they need good internet access. And they're having they're struggling to get it into these small towns, and they're they're doing things like towns are setting up their own internet companies to to pipe it in and that sort of thing. So, yeah, I mean, this is a an issue that affects a lot of places that aren't big cities, <laughs> which, is, which yeah. is most of America. I'd love to have yeah. Google swoop, swoop in and put in gigabit, but that ain't going to happen anytime soon. <laughs> right. Joanne? Yeah, but I, I think a lot of the problems in, in, you know, the cities and the closely populated areas is the lack of competition between companies because you it's in some places it's one and done and you have to take what they give you or if you're lucky you get two so you they can right. play off each other so i i, I think everybody I, somewhere there's an answer to this internet conundrum because why how are other countries getting it faster and cheaper than we are mm-hmm. We're paying well, a lot for what we get. And one thing I think is helping is 4G internet going into 5G cell coverage. Um, because, yeah, I've got, I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here and I've got, again, fiber to the house and I've got a 4G tower that's a half a mile away. So I've got decent access here in town. And I think as 5G rolls out and you look at what 5G is going to be capable of, that's only going to help rural areas, although it does require more towers because it doesn't spread as far. Right. I was going to say 5G's problem is is it's uh, it, it's uh, it, it's short, shorter range and it requires more coverage. I mean, ironically, you probably have better LTE service where you are than I do in my home in a Boston suburb. I have tower. I, I, I barely get I have two bars right now on my on my uh, iPhone. So I do. um AT&T's, you know, calling over Wi-Fi because I have good Wi-Fi here. Like I I have um 
I forget whether I'm 75 or 100 megabit right now. Uh, and I, I need a little more because I'm uploading podcasts and all that sort of stuff all the time. So I, I, I get, a, I get a little more, but, um, yeah, I mean, the funny thing is, is how these issues aren't necessarily just rural versus urban and suburban. Uh, but I think it's more prevalent in rural, like rural really shows how far we have to go. I mean, America's a big, big country well, geographically. There's a lot of space well, that needs to get covered. And people assume, you know, they, they think of being in a city where, oh, you can just set up a, you know, a Pandora stream or something like that and just let it play. Yeah, that doesn't work. Once they get out of town, forget it. Right. <laughs> I was listening to uh, another podcast, I think Mac Power Users, a few years ago, and they had mm-hmm. a guy on. He was a he's a he's a pastor at a at a small church that's semi remote in Ohio who has to his Internet access at home is really slow. I figured it was. And he talks about how having to learn how to, I mean, he's a techie, so he mm-hmm. programmed scripts to batch, do a lot of things so that he connects, does everything he needs to do, and then disconnects. And I'm like, wow, I was doing that back in the 80s when I was on CompuServe. Yeah, that was old dial-up, well. you know? Yeah. <laughs> right, and it's essentially, so, I mean, we have a ways to go. Like, people in Europe are, are you know, they, they have a lot better coverage, but it's a, Europe is a lot smaller. You know, the European countries are a lot smaller than vast expanses of america so it's the issues are a little different and there is the investment by their governments i think that's the thing we miss is Mm -hmm. a lot of you know and and these companies are multinational so you can have a company that's based out of france competing with a company based out of germany competing with a base company based out of england and so on right we don't have that here we don't have as much of that competition so I want to uh, shift gears a little bit and come down from our 50,000-foot level down to the ground level and kind of talk about some things related to accessibility. And, and specifically, uh, I want to talk about helping – I want to sort of – I want to pose a theoretical of we've got – you know, you've got aging parents. I think all, all of us have parents who are in the older demographic, the greatest generation, that sort of thing, um, who uh, we probably have to help with technology. And I want to kind of give – the listeners some ideas some examples that we can provide for ways that we can help our parents and this can go for people who are not our parents but people who are not uh, up on technology with uh staying connected staying connected with us with health things so uh so i wanted to kind of just throw it out there and and i'll give a for uh, a for instance the first example on my list is um and you've heard heard about it often is digital photo frames and you know my parents, they're used to getting photos, putting them in a frame, putting them on the dresser, putting, you know, hanging them on the fridge, put them on the walls. Um, and a generation, gosh, you know, the, a generation younger than us, they don't they don't print anything ever. I, I actually got a, a photo print of some of, of a picture of, uh, in the mail the other day. And my kids were all fascinated by this photograph that I was holding of our family <laughs> and because it, it was so unusual. Um, and so a digital photo frame sort of bridges that divide where you can set it up in, in their home with an Internet access and you can either connect it to, say, your Facebook account. Have a, like you could set up, for example, like an, a special album in, uh, in, in Google Photos or iPhoto that you know, a lot of these photo frames can just pull from mm-hmm. uh, to, to load. And she can co- get a constant stream of photos of her grandkids or uh, you know, of the family that she can keep up with, uh, you know, and I say she, cause I th- I'm thinking of my mom, but uh, right. it could be, you know, a parent or a favorite uncle or that sort of thing. So, 
Um, so any, do you guys have any uh, suggestions along those lines that you'd like to throw out? Oh, mine would be the Apple Watch, especially yes. the latest version because of the fall detection. Yeah, yeah I Watch think 4. that yeah. is so important. And I don't think that's just important for older people. Anybody can take a fall and hit their head and not be right. conscious enough. And if the watch is going to signal somebody to help you out, I think that's a, a game changer between you know, permanent damage and temporary damage. Right. So I, I would yeah. suggest that one. I haven't got that version yet. I will be getting it probably for my next birthday. Who knows? I, I actually <laughs> had a conversation with my brothers and sisters about, about the, getting one for my mom uh, because she still drives. Uh, she, she, she mobile, but her, her knees are bad. And I'm always afraid of her falling someplace and not being able to get up. Um, and with the Apple watch, the fall detection, like, I mean, she could, call on her phone if she's got her phone near her but with fall detection on the apple watch is the apple watch 4 specifically is supposed to be pretty good it picks up your it only does it for people over a certain age so you know if you're if you're 40 and you and you you know i don't know play a sport and you that makes you you're, you're skiing it's not constantly going off so if you're over a certain age it automatically engages so that if if it detects a fall not just laying down to go to sleep but a fall it will alert, ask you to respond, and if you don't respond within a certain time, it will contact emergency services and a designated contact. And because Dom, it's an Apple Watch Four, it'll lead you there, lead them there. Dom, is is there some way to to go past that, bypass that? Because you gave the yes. perfect example of being skiing, and I would want the fall detection on because you can you can get in pretty hairy situations in skiing. I know my husband does, and he skis sometimes alone. I would feel right. better if he had something like that available because he won't take his phone on the slopes. You can. So it's automatically turned off if you're below a certain age, but there is an option to turn it on. But you have to explicitly okay. go into the uh, the app. I forget which app. is. I don't have an Apple Watch 4, so I can't tell. But uh, you have to go into the app and specifically turn it on. So that's that's a oh, good. that's a good function. Um Father Corey, do you have anything you wanted to? Well, and, and and I would extend that not just with the Apple Watch Four, but like with Fitbits and things like that. Any kind of smart watch that can um, can do the health detection in general. You know, like again, playing with my you know my Fitbit Fitbit where it can you know tell you how you're sleeping. Well, that can help for older people where they could be developing sleep issues uh, and not realize it. Um, your blood maybe blood pressure or something like that I mean all that those are usually more dedicated devices uh but even just your your heart rate you know because the the Fitbit can tell you what your heart rate is and if it's suddenly going erratic I'm, I'm you know it'll show up right things if, like that if you get permission you know and I'd say this get permission from your parents if you're going to be monitoring their health data don't just do it saying well it's for their own good no get talk to them about it get their permission and then you can possibly monitor some of this and say, hey, mom, I noticed your blood pressure has been up lately. Or um, I know or if they have like a scale, like I have a Withings scale. Uh, I noticed your weight's been dropping. Are you getting are you getting enough to eat? Are you are, you know, are you are you feeling OK? Um, they have glucose monitors now. They have like, like you mentioned the blood pressure cuffs. Uh, they have EKG ones, which I think they so they have the, the Apple Watch can do an ECG. But they also have dedicated ones. But I think you have to go through your doctor to get that. But but those are that, that's a good example. That's a good one, Father Corey. I like that one. Uh, I'll throw one out there. Um, I like the idea of um, we mentioned this before of getting them used to using Uber or Lyft or one of the, those car services to get around. 
Um, if they if if you're not like if you're not able to drive them places, maybe they're at a point where they're not quite comfortable or you're not comfortable with them driving still. Um, they need to get doctor's appointments. Cabs are, are I mean, cabs can be OK, especially if you live in the right kind of place. But if if you're in places where the Uber and Lyft are are available, they're they're getting them comfortable with using those sorts of services can be useful as well. They're a little expensive, but, you know, it can get them around. Well, and, and for a lot of people, those those that kind of thing, if you could show that 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 Uber trip was to go to the hospital or go to a medical appointment, that is considered, I believe, con- contact your tax advisor, right. tax deductible as transportation for medical purposes. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. That, yeah that and because is. it's in the app, Uber or Lyft, you'll have the receipts right there in the app. That's a good point. Um, excellent. Don't take tax advice from us, though, folks. Talk to no, I, I, I'm not paid the big bucks to be a tax advisor. I'm only a priest. So <laughs> keep that in mind. Exactly. <laughs> Joanne, did you have another bit of a tip or advice? Uh, well, of course, I'll go with the echoes. Definitely. Um, especially with their drop in feature. I when my before my cousin went into the nursing home, I had thought about putting an echo in her house so that I could you know, just drop in and say, how you doing? Uh, I do realize now that would have probably scared her half to death. <laughs> but, <laughs> but being able to have that kind of a drop-in system or a monitoring or they can ask for certain things or, you know, do to-do lists or there's a whole bunch of things you can do with Echoes. And I think, I hate to say it, they got there before um, before the HomePods. And, well, they're still so, better than the HomePod. Then in a lot of ways, the HomePods sound better, but the echoes just do more. So they would be more in the home, um, the Google home as well. Yeah. And, you know, and of course now Facebook is getting into this, which, you know, arguments <laughs> about Facebook or not, yeah. but they do have the devices where it does, makes the easy, you know, uh, easy to face calling. Yeah. You know, and, and Google does as well. And so does, you know, Amazon, they're all getting into that market now where they've got the devices with the screens. You can say, call this person and Portal. you'll see them. And, yeah. You know, uh, speaking of the echo, uh, one of the things I started doing, my, my son has to take a medication every every morning at the same time. And we're we're always always we're always forgetting. And I realized what I did was is I set up a reminder on Echo so that at 9 a.m. every day it it pops up and says a ding. Benedict needs to take his medication and then it will bing until he, we say, you know, Echo, stop. And then and then he goes and takes it. And he he now he knows how to do it. And he has to take take it twice. He gets a puffer. And so he has to puff, wait a minute and puff again. And now he knows how to say echo, set a one minute timer. And and that's the sort of thing where like if you set up reminders, like if your parents, if they're still independent, living independently you, and they need help remembering to take their medication, setting up an echo and it's reminders for them is is a is a is a helpful thing. So that's that's a good one. Um, the other thing I like to do is especially related to, to what we're doing here is is podcasts. Um, I, I like to you know tell people. You can play any podcast that you can know that you know the title of just simply by saying "Echo," and I'm I'm obviously purposely using the the wrong name. Echo, play Secrets of Technology podcast, and if you put the word "podcast" at the end of the title, it will play the latest episode of that. And uh, and so you could you could teach your your parents you know to how to do that, or you could set up their uh, the daily briefing on the on the Echo, which is another way to do it. But here's here's one thing that annoys me, though, with that is is that the fact that if you set up like a daily briefing, everybody's sound level is different. 
I don't know if you've noticed that. So all of a sudden, it'll it be blasting. Yeah, it'll be blasting out of my echo, and then the next one will be so soft I can't hear it. So it's like, please, can we have something that will level all that out? Yeah, NPR's marketplace is this loud, and then Planet Money is that loud. It's like, hey, everybody, get on the get on the same page. Uh, Father Corey, did you have another one you wanted to? No, I mean, it's and of course, again, it's, it, you know, going back to the, the different devices, we're talking about the, the like the Chromebook, Chromebooks and the, the tablets and simple tablets, and things like that, just to just to give them access to the information. Because, again, you know, we all know this, that so much of what we do is online, our banking, our, you know, if uh, some places, you know, if you want to schedule a, a medical appointment, you have to go through their website. You can't call someone anymore. Things right. like that. Right. My last bit of advice is on uh, like some smart home stuff. Now, I'd be careful about setting up smart, smart lights and things because my mom forgets and she flips the <laughs> switch and that sort of thing. But one of the things that is it would be good is um is both smart locks and smart thermostats. And the the smart lock one is good because like again, if your parents are still living, you know, in living independently, but you you want to make sure they're okay, you can set it to uh, a lot of these locks lock at a particular time every night or you can remotely again, if you once you if you told them that you're doing this and they they have permission, uh, they're giving you permission. You can remotely lock the door for them. You know, you can go on your on your phone. And you go, oh, their door's still unlocked. They shouldn't be unlocked this late at night. And although you got to be careful, because maybe Dad went out to take the trash to the, to the yeah, garbage exactly. can, and you don't so, know about that. Right. Yeah. So you got to be careful with that sort of thing. Um, that in the thermostats is to make sure that you know their their house is warm enough and they're they're or cool enough in the summer and that sort of thing. Um, th- those smart home technologies can help you help your parents, especially if you're not nearby. And uh, so those that's one thing I want to recommend. And and it also helps us because I hate to say it as I am getting older and I'm trying to do two things at once. It's nice for me to be able to say, you know, a lady do this for me and lights go on and, and locks get locked. And, you know, it. I, I love it. My husband thinks I'm getting lazy, but you know what? <laughs> as we get older, I think this is going to be a, a very good thing for us. You know, as, as, as a younger guy, I, even I want that, you know, I want to right. be able to drive out to my house and not have to hit the button for the garage door because it's picked up that I'm within range and it opens up the garage door and unlocks the door because my phone is close by and, you know, stuff like that. But that's stuff we can set up with your parents, too, again, where as they pull into their driveway, all of a sudden the garage door pops open. So right. They can pull in. Exactly. And uh, my pick of the week has something to do with what we were just discussed about smart home stuff. And it's connected to this, and I'll talk more about that as we get to them. Uh, but uh, but I think I think we've gotten given folks some good ideas for ways to use technology. And if if people have ideas that they want to share widely, if they want to send it in in feedback, um, and I'll give all the feedback information at the end uh, of the of the podcast. Um, we'd love to, to 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 get some more of those ideas and to get them out there to folks. Uh, share it with the rest of the audience. So if you've got any technology-related ideas for helping your, your parents your you know, or people who need help, family members uh, who need additional help, uh, we'd love to hear them. So uh, let's move on to our picks of the week then. And uh, Joanne, I think you're first this week. Uh, you mentioned you, well, there's something that uh, works for one of these this topic. Oh, yes. Uh, and the name is very interesting. Interesting. It's called the Grand Pad. <laughs> and it's a very simple tablet for seniors. Now, I've heard about this for maybe of the last five years. Somebody wanted, wanted to design something like an iPad for their 
grandparents because the iPad was too difficult for them. So this small pad, which is about the size of an iPad mini or what would have been a Nexus 7, um, will will pick up calling, email, weather, music, games, photo, a camera, and then basic help. So there's no internet access per se for them to go out and, you know, spend money in the wrong places or get scammed by somebody. Um, for For the family, there is an app that they put on their phones so that they can interact with this pad. So it sounds like it's for those seniors who have very little technology um, savvy, and this is all they need. They want to talk to their kids. They want to email their grandkids. They want pictures. They want to know what's the weather outside. Maybe they've got some music they like. If they can take a picture of things and send it, that's great. Um, so I recommend it. Right now it's going through consumers, Consumer Cellular has, I think, now bought into it at some level. So you can get it through them. And that's a, that company is for seniors. They're not, they don't only deal in this. They deal in, um, they're also a cellular company for regular cell phones for seniors and stuff. But that's what I mean by, you know, when I was talking about there's some that aren't so great. They've got this phone called the Jitterbug and uh, for seniors, and I yeah. just kind of looked at it and went, yeah, that's, that's not going to work. <laughs> Um, but I think this will, this looks like it's, it's really good for those seniors who aren't savvy. The ones who are, they should definitely have an iPad. And if the one they can afford is probably going to be the 329, you know, 9.7 version, which I think is pretty reasonable and does quite a lot of things now. This one looks like it's, it's 40 bucks a month and it, and it has LTE built in so that you don't have to have a separate data plan. And they don't need internet access in their house to do this. So, I mean, 40 bucks a month is less off in some ways than you'd pay to get a wireless internet in their house and in, in in an iPad. I mean, so this sounds pretty, pretty interesting. And it's got, it looks, it's got a, a stylus and a, a docking station. So all they got to do is drop it on the docking station to keep it charged. Um, it's, it's an interesting product. Uh, you know, a, yeah. And it, it comes with free streaming music. I don't know what kind, but it comes with the free streaming music. And you can buy it straight out. So I think if you buy it straight out, it's a little cheaper per month. But if you don't, the cost of the uh, of the tablet is included in that price. Awesome. So grandpad.net. We'll put a link in the show notes uh, for all of these. Uh, thanks, Truman. That's a good one. Uh, Father Corey, your pick of the week. Now, I'm, I'm doing something that's not related to our, our discussion, but it's something that both Dom and I use on a well, almost daily basis, it feels for like. Daily. <laughs> for him, it's daily. For me, it's a couple times a week, but it's Adobe Audition. This is the software that both of us use for editing our podcast. When I do Let's Talk, when he does everything else, we use it. But the reason why I picked it is uh, last night I was having some fun with it. Every Thursday, we do trivia at the local brewery. So this evening, we're recording this on Thursday. So this evening, we're going to do trivia. And I'm doing music that has been, we do a music round where I play a song. You have to name the title artist in the year. Well, this time I'm doing songs that were have been covered. So it's a song that's been done by more than one band. And so I'm using Audition, or I used Audition, to edit them together. So it starts out the first version of the song. And then it switches to that spot on the other version of the song. <laughs> nice. That's so cool. it and it, and audition made it so easy to do 
with their in their multi-track was easy to get things lined up and cut and put in place and to uh, make the songs so that they're the same volume, you know, because, of course, two different versions by two different bands are going to have two different volumes. But Audition was able to, you know, normalize it. So they're about the same volume. So I'm not going to have to be back there cranking up and turning down the volume all the time. And and every song is about the same volume and everything. And we've just I, I i can't speak for dom but i know for myself we have just scratched the surface of what oh, this software can do yes i yes. mean for what we do to edit this podcast is so simple but ironically as complicated as it can be it is simpler than something like audacity for basic processes audacity is great because it's free but it is a very difficult software if you're doing more than just basic editing if you're trying to do multi-track on Audacity, it's very difficult. Things like that. So Adobe Audition, if you're doing any kind of uh, audio editing, check it out. If you're interested in doing any kind of audio editing, check it out. It is worth the money. It's a little pricey, but it's worth the money. Yeah, I was using Adobe Audition before it got too pricey. So I agree with you. Ringing endorsement of this product. It, it, is, a great, it is a great piece of software. But it is a little too expensive for me now. So, although if you, uh, you, you can also, it's got a subscription model now, so you can also get it for a monthly price. I think there's a, I forget exactly. We have a special nonprofit, uh, bundle price, but I think there's something like 10 bucks a month. Uh, you can get, um, audition. I know there's a Photoshop thing where you can get Photoshop and Lightroom for 10 bucks a month. Um, or you can get the whole package of all the, and of uh, course, it'll be creative suite, but the, the more Adobe software you add on to it, the more that price goes up, but the the less it becomes for each software right. package. And there are, there are student packages and all that sort of stuff. Um, the, the learning curve is a little steep, but there are some great YouTube channels that for learning. That's how I learned a lot. Um, I, I, always, I recommend Mike Russell. He specializes in like voiceover work, which really works well for podcaster sort of stuff. Um, and, and plus they have built-in help, which is really good too. So uh, great pick. That's a good pick. Uh, so my pick is uh, the Hue Motion Sensor. So now I, I've had Philips Hue lights for a few years now. Uh, I, I finally got my wife uh, to go along with it. Um, she's actually gotten used to it now. Uh, we have the, the Hue lights. We have the Hue switches instead of the you know our old, the old style switch. We make everybody hit the, the button. <laughs> um, if I was starting off fresh, I would probably uh, go with the Cass Lutron Cassetta which replaces the wall switch. And so you, you can't even tell it's, it's a smart home thing, but I'm fine with it. Uh, but with a, the big thing that was that I, I, I was always like, ah, why would I get a motion sensor? That just seems like really lazy. Why can't I, I can just tell the echo or I can hit the button. Well, it turns out it's really useful. So I have two of them now. I have one in my, uh, we have, we have a small house. So we have a room that functions as the pantry and the laundry room and semi storage. Um, and then I have my office. I have I have one in, in here in my office and I have them set so that during the day when there's enough light, the lights don't come on overhead, but it senses motion. But as soon as the light level drops below a certain uh, amount, the lights will come on um, at a certain time at night. It will come on lower. at a, So you're losing le less electricity, but also because you don't need as much light, you know, in the middle of the night, we just passing through um, or you could tell it to, to, to go up to a full power. Uh, but and then it turns off automatically as a dad. I love the idea that we're turning off the <laughs> lights automatically and they don't stay on all night. Uh, and, and so I've really kind of enjoying having this. And I was thinking like this for like with my 
like with my parents, you know, if we'd had smart lights and I, and it's the nice thing about it is it's magnetic. So I just like slap it onto the light switch, uh, the, the, cause it's, there's a metal under there. I just slap it on there and that it, it in both places, well, actually in one place, it's conveniently located on the light switch to, to, to scan for motion. The other place I have it kind of stuck to, um, a metal, you know, file rack on my uh, bookcase behind me, uh, so that it senses me moving around sitting at this desk. Uh, but in either case, it's, it, it's an it's an, the idea is that if my parents were to say get up in the middle of the night and walk around, the lights could come on low so that it's not too bright because nobody wants a bright light in the middle of the night. Um, but that they could see as they walk through, and it, so it's just something I want to recommend. Um, if you have Philips Hue lights, it's probably it's a it's a it's a handy addition to the package uh, that that you might be able to have a use case for it. You're going to have to tell me how you convinced your wife, because I'd like to convince my husband to get some <laughs> uh, of these. It, well, the, the the short answer is I put a couple in. I, put, I started with my office. Uh, this is my office, so I put them in. Um, and then I put another one in another room. And then I put a few more in, a, in another room. And, and, and eventually she, uh, she got used to it <laughs> in those places. Okay. And I just started replacing all the bulbs oh, little by little over time as they went on sale on Amazon. I would buy them and then I would say, okay, I'm doing the laundry room now. Okay. Uh, the kitchen and the dining room are now all one thing. So um, one of the things I did was I, I'm kind of going on long about this, but um, the, the That's kitchen. That's okay. I want to know. We often want the kitchen and the dining room lights on at the same time, uh, but they're on separate switches in the, uh, you know, in the circuits. So I set up uh, separate controls in the Echo because the Echo controls can control smart home and in the Apple home where I could have turn on dining room lights, turn on kitchen lights, or I could say turn on dining room and kitchen or turn them off and it will do the whole thing at once. Or the other thing I can do is, is as I'm leaving, I can say, hey, Shlomo, um, I'm leaving the house and it will turn off all the lights uh, automatically. I don't have to run around to every room turning Ooh. off all the lights. Yep. I also have a, I, like I, that. I have an IFTTT rule, if this, then that, IFTTT.com. Mm -hmm. So that when I enter the geofence around my house, it turns on the light in my office, um, just so that there's a light on when we when I, when I come in. That sort of thing. So, um, oh, I, I am so far behind in this. <laughs> I have a blog post brewing about all the ways that I use the uh, smart home tech uh, in my house, and I'm not even that advanced on it, but uh, uh, some practical stuff. Anyway, I'm going on and on. I don't want to go on too long. Um, <laughs> so, so those are our picks of the week. We'll put the links to everything in our show notes. Um, we'd, before we uh, sign off, we want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of technology. And today we're going to thank by name, Christina T, Dennis G, Jeffrey F, Catherine M, and Kim L. Thank you very much. And through their generous support at sqpn.com slash give, they make it possible for us to continue the secrets of technology and all the shows we do at SQPN. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So, folks, that's it from us. What do you think of our discussion here about making technology accessible for, for everyone, but also uh, practical tips for how to help folks who need some help with technology uh, or that technology can help you take care of them? Uh, let us know by visiting sqpn.com slash technology or the SQPN Facebook page. Just search for StarQuest Media on Facebook. Uh, you can leave some feedback there on the show or send us an email to 
technology at sqpn.com. Uh, you can find the links to uh, that are relevant from our discussion, in, uh, especially our picks, on our show notes at sqpn.com. And remember, remember to like each episode of The Secrets of Technology on our Facebook page, retweeted on Twitter, where we're at sqpn. Leave us comments so that we can have some feedback and discuss it in the show. And if you have not done so, please subscribe in iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, your favorite podcast app, or on YouTube, where you should also hit the bell to get notifications. And if you can, write a review in iTunes or one of the podcast directories. All this stuff helps us to reach more people, grow the audience, and, you know, the bigger the audience gets, the more likely the show can continue because this is a show about helping folks and being connected. And we want to have a big community uh, that we're connecting with and helping with technology. So... Uh, until next time, Joanne Mercier, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of technology. Thank you for having me, as always. And Father Corey Stika, thank you as well. I'm glad to be here, and thank you, Dom. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of technology on StarQuest. Quest.